What was the relationship like with your dad? This podcast, Military Veteran Dad, is brought to you by the Business of Fatherhood, an effort by me to help you become a better dad. By helping dads create a lasting feeling of change on the inside, help them grow through generational trauma, and by redefining the definition of living. There is more to life than being alive. Find out more information about this, head on over to bencloy.com or check out the Business of Fatherhood podcast on any and all platforms. Dory 1, this is Fireteam Delta. Dad's coming home. Welcome to the Military Veteran Dad Podcast, where it is our mission to bring every dad home. I am your host, Ben Colloy. I'm a United States Marine veteran, husband, and a father. We will bring authentic conversations to inspire action in your life so we can close the gap between the dad you are today and the dad you want to be tomorrow. This is the Military Veteran Dad Podcast. Welcome to episode 162, the conclusion of our four-part series, on coming home. I hope that you have loved this series as much as I have loved creating it. The feedback from you guys is already resounding. Yes. So look for more of this. I plan on doing a few more of these series in different categories of military life this summer. We will resume our regular scheduled interview shows next week. But without further ado, let's get started with this final part, part four on coming home. And this one is titled The Legacy of Fatherhood. Welcome back to the final part, part four. In this part, we're going to essentially summarize what we've talked about. We're not going to dive into the process. We're not going to dive into the muddiness. I want to actually give you actionable tools to hit the road running, to repay some of that debt within your time credit card, and to get you results and that feeling that coming home should deliver. You shouldn't feel like you're deployed to your home and you were home where you were deployed. That is not the default state that we should feel like we are in. Before we go into hitting the road and understanding exactly how to repay some of that time debt, I want to address one big giant elephant in the room. So depending on where you're coming from, depending on what you've already gone through, depending on what things you're bringing home, whether it be PTSD, whether it be stories, no matter what you are bringing home, this process isn't going to be easy. And I want to give you some of the best advice and framework for suicide to prevent you from going into that dark corner. Because in an unsuccessful coming home process, there are a couple different scenarios that play out. One, things just never come back to normal and maybe you end up getting divorced and life never goes back to normal and you never go back to feeling anything other than numb. And in many cases, that also can lead to suicide. Or you're in the family still, and you're leading yourself to a place of numbness, and that in itself brings you to the point of suicide as well. I've interviewed a lot of dads on this podcast. The conclusion in all the cases where suicide was either involved or it was an attempt is this. The pain that you are feeling, whatever that pain may be, no matter how deep, no matter how deep that pain is, the only thing that you are doing when you take your own life is passing it on. There's a couple things that happen after you take your own life that this pain, you come to this conclusion that you think this pain inside you, this burden, this BS 
that you are buying on the inside is going to end. If I remove the common variable, which is me, I'm the one that causes fights with my partner. I'm the one that causes fights with my kids. I'm the one that creates drama in the household. I am the common denominator. Remove the common denominator, everything should get better. Lie number one. Things never get better because the pain that you are feeling doesn't just die with you. It literally transfers to your family in a way, one, they never understand it, two, they can never heal from it, and three, they'll never understand the answer to this question. And this question should hit you square in the balls if you are thinking about taking your own life. They will struggle for their entire life answering the question, why didn't my dad love me enough to stay? What could have been so bad about me internally? What was broken on the inside of me as a child that my dad thought he didn't need to stay or that he couldn't stay or that me being here in the same presence with my dad somehow made me bad? They internalize that feeling and they never heal from it. I've heard stories of kids who are now adults in their 30s and they'll say they still have never healed from their dad taking their own life. And in many cases, kids will often get stuck in their maturity. If you take your life and they're 12 at this important time where things in their life are developing in a way that they need a father to lead them in their life, those kids get stuck emotionally, their body keeps growing, but on the inside, they are still those 12-year-old boy and girl that got stuck. and They just wanted their dad to stay. Because honestly, no matter what you're going through, if you were to confess to your family, your partner, your wife, what is going on, your ability to get through it exponentially increases. If you were to tell them what your, what your pain is, what you're thinking about, they will help bring you back from that edge. So I open up with this because the stakes for getting through this process and coming home have never been fucking higher, guys. This process that I've been outlining here in this four-part series gives you a process, an ability to come home in a way that most military members never do, and the ones who take their own life cancel out all the things and all the reasons that those brothers and sisters in war fought to make sure that that person came home. Because here's another reality that's beyond this. We often get caught up in these ideas of why did that person die? Why did that person live? Why did I live and they died? These questions that have no good answers. Well, here's the best answer that I have come to over all the episodes of Military Veteran Dad. They died so you could go home and be the best fucking dad that you could be. They died so you would get a chance to live. They died so that you would have a chance to hug your kids in a way that they no longer get to. There is a kid out there that no longer gets to feel their father's love. You do. They died so you could feel that and live within a presence that honors their sacrifice. Every day we don't accept the invitation to be the dad that we know we can be. We are dishonoring the ones who didn't come home, who no longer get to hug their kids, and no longer can live their life. Their life ended so we could live, not so that we could take our own life. Not so we could take our own life.
They died so we could live. You getting stuck in this process prevents you from accepting that invitation. It prevents you from acknowledging where you could go. It prevents you from learning from the dads around you of how they got through it. The stakes have never been higher to get through this. This process of being a dad is your legacy. The legacy of fatherhood is what you do here. But it's 10 times more important for what you leave behind. We often get caught up in military on what did our service mean? What did all that stuff mean in our life? When the reality is what we do here on this earth is important, but what we leave behind is 10 times more important. You are part of an elite group that only a few people in the United States have ever served in the military. You have an ability to gift your kids instincts, wisdom, perspective that the world can't even touch. If you gift that to your kids, they are all but guaranteed to invite life, to succeed in life, and to go out there and actually change the world. We have something that other people don't. And this is why this podcast, this mission, and now this four-part series exists is to help you cross that threshold and finally come home. So let's pivot a little bit and dive into what are some of the easiest ways to come home? Because while those are dark thoughts that I just went through, the process to go from those dark thoughts to an amazing dad relationship are a lot shorter than you think. One of the easiest mindsets that I want you to remember is the easiest thing to make a dent within your kids' lives is remember this. Kids spell love, T-I-M-E. Depending on the age, between probably zero and seven, you can change a kid's behavior and their love tank and how much they appreciate you in as little as 10 minutes. Next time you've got 10 minutes or you've got some spare time, walk up to your kid and say, hey, dad's got 10 minutes. What do you want to do? In that moment right there, I did two things. I gave them the permission to come up with the idea. You do not have to have all the ideas. And in that little 10 minutes, they will build the connection for who you could become in that relationship with your kids. Let's do another one. Think of how kids think. Kids think in adventures. Kids think in building. So the easiest hack that I have learned is to attach the word adventure to something, and it's like going to Disney World. Some of the simplest adventures I have done are scooter adventures or a one-day adventure where I literally go on Google, I find an ice cream shop about an hour away, I point the car at that ice cream shop, we have ice cream, and then I launch to somewhere else. I've got basketballs, I've got fishing poles, I've got swimsuits, when it's in the summertime appropriate. And we just kind of keep flying from point to point. Now I've got some ideas of where we could go, but to the kids, they have no idea. That sense of adventure that came with that is still one of the best days that came out of 2020. The idea of creating adventure does a couple different things. It reminds you how to invite life and experiences back into your life. Two, it teaches them how to do it for themselves. And three, it creates these anchor memories. And anchor memories are these places where kids can go to feel in touch with who you are. Whether you are here today or 10 years or 20 years, 
or you deploy again and you don't come home. Creating these anchor memories allows them to be in touch with you, to be in touch with your wisdom, to be in touch with your presence, whether you are physically there or not. It could be the favorite fishing hole down by the pond. If you go consistently there, twice a week, once a week, whatever it may be, I guarantee when you're done here on earth, your child will go to that fishing hole to ask dad a question. Because in this context of this whole thing, what we're really doing is preparing them to know us. We're preparing them to be able to access how did I think? Because if they can access how I think, they can then access how I lived. And when they get stuck, they can tap into that wisdom as well. The next tip that I want to give you is bedtime talk. The relationship with your kids is one of the most important relationships you will build with your time here. And what I've had to learn the hard way is prioritizing discipline, prioritizing getting what you want in the moment versus what they want or what you're willing to do to get what you want them to do sacrifices the relationship you're building. And what I'm more seeing now as my kids get older is this, that as they get older, you really take away and chip away at that relationship that they'll have when they start doing the preteen and teenager that we often hear as a stereotypical teenager. But I'm more convinced than ever that oftentimes it's the relationship we sacrifice when they were younger to get what we want, to teach them a lesson that actually pulls back their relationship to trust us later on. Now, in the context of this in bedtime, I want you to use bedtime in a way to create and have conversations, ask questions, and talk about the day. Talk about the good. Talk about the bad. But just sit there one-on-one with each of your kids. I've done this for years now with all three of my kids where I just sit there and different age groups have different conversations, but there is a point in their life where things start to get heavy. And generally it's between second and third grade where things happen at school that are really hard and difficult and they create an emotional response that they want to talk about. Creating a container to have that conversation is critical in this process to come home. And what you're doing here is building a muscle that essentially does this. You are proving to them when it's very small to you, when it may seem like this issue on the playground is like, ugh, another one. To them, this is no different than you, them losing their job or you losing your job. It's the same emotional reaction for them. Or no matter what you have going on at work, whether it be a devastating conversation, no matter what it is, their world is just as big. Bedtime talk prepares you to create these moments where when it was the little thing, were you there? Were you there when it didn't seem like it mattered, but it did? Because later on, when they're 14, 15, and 16, and later on even further, they're going to remember, how was dad showing up when I was eight? Because now when it's heavy, if he's not there for the little things, I really can't count him for the big things. And often I think this is where I often set up the scenario where my daughter's going to be at a party when she's 16 maybe 18, and she's not going to feel safe in that situation. She's going to want to pick up the phone and call me. The relationship I have with her, the trust that I've built, that is going to create, hopefully, the feeling that she can call me and know my reaction because I was there for the little things and I'm going to be there to protect her on the big things, that she can trust me to be there and pick her up. These moments don't happen by accident. They happen by design. They happen by investing time. They happen by curating memories, creating those anchor memories. They happen by creating container vehicles to have tough conversations, to celebrate the good things, but in a one-on-one atmosphere. 
Depending on the season of your life, a big dad win that you can get is doing one-on-one trips with your kids. Some dads recognize the power in this. Some dads have never even considered it. So depending on your financial situation, depending on your situation in general, consider doing a one-on-one trip with your kids somewhere between the ages of 10 and 16. And some people will subscribe as doing it like a rite of passage for either your son or daughter. These can be a great way to know your kid on a deep level, know what their dreams are, talk about what it means to be an adult, talk about what responsibility is coming their way, talk about life changes coming their way. Imagine going on a one-on-one trip as they graduate high school and you have real tough conversations and inspiring conversations of who they could become, where are they going, what do they want from life? And now that may seem heavy and it may seem overwhelming, but these conversations are so impactful. A one-on-one trip with your kid can really give you the TNT to blow up the logjam, which might be your relationship. Back in the 1900s, there was logging industries, and to move logs, they would put them down the river. When those logs would get stuck, they would put TNT inside to get them moving again. They would literally blow it up to create change to get the logs flowing down the river again. Those log jams happen in your relationship with your kids. You know exactly what I'm thinking and talking about here because you've felt it probably. I think we've all felt it. TNT is a great tool, not to reset and blow it up and get rid of it, but to get the conversation flowing again and getting one-on-one. And if you've never done even just one-on-one dates with your kids, each one of these always reminds me of how the conversation changes so much. The dynamic is so different when they're not competing for attention or worrying about what the other person says or just fighting with each other. One-on-one time is your primary tool, whether it be time with your kids, playing trains, playing Barbies, whatever it may be, playing catch. Time, time, relationships, and one-on-one. Now, take this implying it to your marriage or your partnership. These ideas transverse in some of the same ways create vehicles to create containers to have real safe conversations where you can say something that may be triggering, but it's it's going to be received because this is the container we've created to talk about it. To be able to create time to do one-on-one trips, maybe this is where you try to get babysitting and go on a one-on-one trip with your spouse. These moments don't happen by accident. Your transition back home won't happen by accident. If there's anything that I hope this four-part series enlightened you with is that there is a way through this. There is ways to mess it up, but there is ways to be thriving in a stronger relationship than you've ever imagined. I always love the analogy that coal and diamonds are the same thing. The only difference is pressure. Literally, under our Earth's mantle, pressure is what makes coal from carbon turn into a diamond. The beauty of what your marriage and relationship and your family could be was forged in the pressure of being deployed. Let that process work. Reveal its beauty and your life will be changed forever and your legacy in your family will be changed forever. The idea of coming home is not something you should think about doing alone. It's done as a community. It's done as a process with who you are. This concludes the four-part series on Coming Home, a deployment series. This is not everything related to coming home. There is 
more. I could talk for hours on the process of coming home. If you would like a conversation about this, if you would like to see coaching in this particular area, if you would like to have someone walk with you by your side into these moments, please reach out. Ben at militaryveterandad.com. A coach and a therapist have two primary differences. A coach helps you walk through into the future. A therapist helps you unwind the past. Often, a process of coming home isn't necessarily about understanding the past. There may be particular components within that for PTSD and trauma, but the process of walking through and into your future to get unstuck, Coach is perfectly designed that because we are the advocate. We are the GPS to get you from where you started to where you want to be and nothing like a Google Maps to get you to that destination because Google never cares if you flicked off the driver next to you, if you yelled at the one in front of you, or if you tailgated the last two drivers. It is still going to get you to that destination, and so will I. I promise my sole promise as a coach is to be the coach for you that I wish I had in my life five years ago, and it'd be that for you. Thank you for listening to this series.